And before um, we get started with the message, I just wanted to mention something that a few people have asked me about, that there's someone on the radio and on cable TV named Harold Camping who's going around telling people that the world is going to come to an end on May 21st that Jesus is, he knows the day and the hour. This is the same guy who in the early 90s wrote a book that Jesus was coming back in 1994. And now he's hoping everybody forgot about that book. See, the Bible says in the last days that there will be false teachers and false prophets. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour So whether it's him or someone else coming to you, telling you that they do know the day or the hour, you just discard it. So I guarantee you, if nothing else, but but then just to not validate the predictions of a false prophet, Jesus is not coming back May 21st. So those of you who maybe have some fear or trepidation, in the meantime, I don't care what day Jesus is coming back because you need to live like you're ready. We need to live right before God every day because the Bible says that he could come at any time, at any hour. So the question is, are we ready? Are we living in a way that we won't be ashamed if he returned right here and right now? So it's about having our lives in order. It's not about listening to people who are predicting dates and then want you to send them their money because you won't need it after May 21st, right? So if you could turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 48. We've been going through the book of Genesis. And we're coming to a close. You may remember in the last few weeks, we've been speaking about Joseph, that he came out of prison through a set of circumstances, and he became second in command over all Egypt. And he made a way during a famine, during a time of lack and poverty. Because he walked in the Spirit of God, He was able to bring provision to all the people in Egypt, but also to his own family. He provided for them. Even though they're the ones that sold them into slavery in Egypt, they turned on them. But there came a time when he was reconciled with his family. He said, what the devil has meant for bad, what you have meant for bad, God meant it for good. He forgave them. And he was able to save them through the famine. And now we're coming towards the end. Where Jacob, his father, is is pretty much on his deathbed. And the last thing that he would do would be to speak blessings over his own children. But I'm not going to focus today on those blessings. You can read it in Genesis 49 and 50. But I want to talk about the blessings today that Jacob spoke over his two grandchildren. 
who were Joseph's sons. So Genesis 48, starting in verse 13, it says, And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right towards Israel's left hand. Again, Israel, is, it was Jacob. Remember, God changed his name to Israel. And Manasseh on his left towards Israel's right hand and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right arm and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Let me explain this. Joseph had two sons. Manasseh was the oldest son, and in those days... It was always the firstborn who was supposed to get the greater blessing, the greater inheritance. And Joseph positioned his two sons so that Manasseh, the older one, would be at at Jacob's right hand. Because in those days, you gave the greater blessing with the right hand. Because that was seen as the hand of power, the hand of strength. And Joseph lined up the two grandchildren so that Manasseh the older would be right here, right at Jacob's right hand, because he was positioning his oldest son Manasseh for the blessing, for for the greater inheritance. But you know what Jacob did? He pulled the old switcheroo, and he crossed his arms, and instead of blessing Manasseh with the right hand, He blessed the other son, Ephraim, with his right hand. He didn't do it according to the way that the tradition said it had to be done. And Jacob, under the wisdom and the authority of God, he switched his arms, and in doing that, he chose to bless the younger, to give the younger one the inheritance that was supposed to go to the older Verse 15, then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And may they increase greatly on the earth. Although Manasseh should have gotten the blessing as as the oldest, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, he blessed his arm, he switched his arms and blessed the younger. But this is a tremendous blessing. I don't want to pass it by. See, Jacob, in blessing Joseph and his grandchildren, he said, May the God who has preserved my life, May the God who has been with me and provided for me, may he bless you. May you come to know him. I just want to charge every parent here that that's your mission. As a man or a woman of God, is is to pass down the inheritance to your children, that your children would come to know that God, that you would do everything that it takes 
for your children to come to know the God that has preserved you, that has blessed you, that has kept you. I'm going to go down to verse 17. When Joseph saw his father placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. So he took hold of his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to him, No, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a people, and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will become a group of nations. He blessed them that day and said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. See, there's a principle in Scripture called the sovereignty of God. And you know what that means? It means God can do and choose whatever pleases him. God doesn't follow the traditions of man. He doesn't look at people the way that man looks at people. But God chooses, the Bible says, who he will choose. He's sovereign according to his good pleasure. And there's a principle in the Bible. And this gives a picture of it, and that's what I want to speak about today. Where God will choose in the, through the Word of God throughout history that many times He has switched His arms and He has chosen the unlikely one. Do we have any unlikely ones here today beside me? So let's look at that through the Bible. In Jesus' day... There was a group of rulers, religious rulers, religious officials called the Pharisees. They were positioned their whole life to, ro- to rule the nation. They were the ones that wore the long religious robes and carried those big Bibles around. They studied their whole life. They were groomed for that time. They were the smartest and the brightest They were born to the most religious, holy families. So from the time they were born, their families began to position them for leadership back in the time of Jesus. But but let me tell you something else about the Pharisees. They were hypocrites, Jesus said. You know what a hypocrite is? It's someone who's one way in church and another way out of the church. It's someone that acts all holy, talks all nice in church, carries around their Bible, and then go out and act like an undercover demon the rest of the week. You say, when I want to know where, where someone is spiritually, I don't, I don't want to know where they are Sunday morning. I want to know where were you doing Saturday night. You see, because God will not tolerate hypocrisy. God is looking for people in the same way here in church and the same way when they leave the church. 
the way you talk to people in church is the same way you need to talk to people outside. The world, not only the church, but the world is tired of hypocrisy. People who come to church and act like they're so holy and then go out and start cursing the cursing people, abusing people, stepping all over people. God is looking for people who will be consistent. The Pharisees were a prideful people. They were filled with religious pride. They thought that they were better than everyone else. And when Jesus came as the Messiah, as the Savior, the Pharisees were ready to be chosen. They were positioned. They were groomed. They knew the Word. They went to Bible college from the time they were young. They, they learned the Word. They learned the traditions. And they were all ready. And you know what happened when Jesus came? He went to the Pharisees and he crossed his arms and he chose instead a bunch of tax collectors and fishermen, a bunch of nobodies. And he put them ahead. He positioned them ahead. And that's why the Pharisees hated Jesus so much. Because they were so full of pride. They said, no, you need to choose us. We are God's chosen leaders for this day. But yet Jesus began to rebuke them in their sin and their arrogance and in their pride. And he cast them aside and he crossed his arms. And instead, he chose people who hadn't been to Bible school in their life. He chose a bunch of people that knew nothing. They, if you read the New Testament, they mess up over and over and over again. But they kept on pressing in. They kept going after God. You see, Jesus will choose He will who He'll choose. And, and they started to accuse Jesus. You're a friend of sinners. How many of you are glad that Jesus is a friend of sinners? You see, otherwise I'd have to throw out my Bible and go home if it weren't, if it wasn't for the grace of God. In Matthew 21:31, Jesus said, told these Pharisees, "Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you." Ahead of these religious guys. The Bible says that they couldn't even wait to get home to pray. They would stand on the corner and pray so that everyone could see them. These were the guys that gave a lot of money so that they could have a plaque with their name on the hospital. God bypassed them. And instead, he, chose, he looked at the hearts of these 12 people that the religious system wouldn't even take a second look at them. And he raised them up, and we're still speaking about them today. You see, that's the, that's the plan and purposes of God. He'll choose who he is going to choose. It says in Matthew 19, verse 30, But many who are first will be last, 
and many who are last will be first. You might be at the back of the line today. Maybe you've been overlooked. God is about to launch you to the front of the line. If, you, if your heart is right with Him, the Bible says for those with clean hands and a pure heart, maybe you've always been in the back. You've never been noticed. God is about to take you from the back into the front. And let me tell you why. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.25, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, God's speaking to you right now. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Right? Look around. Look at me. I was not of any noble birth. I have no influence out in the world. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. If you're feeling weak today, if you're saying, well, I don't really have what it takes, I'm not feeling strong in the Spirit, you know that God has purposely chosen you. He has bypassed many others of great degrees and great talents because they're so full of themselves, because they're so full of pride that they love, like the Pharisees, they love the praise of man. They love the attention of man. That's why God will take broken people who have been abused, discarded, and destroyed and raise us up to do great and mighty things, the weak things of the world. I'll tell you, half the time I feel weak in the spirit. I know I got to preach or do something. I'm saying, God, not today. I don't have it today. That's when the Spirit of God begins to rise up because it's in your weakness that His strength is made perfect. Thank God for your weaknesses. If people have kicked you around your whole life, you've been neglected. People see you as nothing or nobody. You are in perfect position for God to begin to advance you, to move you ahead. Again, for those with clean hands and a pure heart. We can't just live however we want to live and expect God to begin to launch us out. That's why you've got to position yourself rightly before God. I don't care how who sees you as nobody. 
or how you see yourself. Maybe you see your, look at yourself. I hate how I look. I hate how I, who I am. Why did God have to make me like this? Why am I so stupid? I hear that all the time in the church. Why? Because those are the types of people God is looking for so God can display His greatness throughout the earth. You are not disqualified. I don't care where you came from, what your past is, how many times you've fallen, you've fell, you've been in prison, you've been addicted on drugs, you've been a sex addict. None of that will disqualify you if you'll give your heart fully to God. He's going to bypass those who are positioned in your place. Remove them and begin to promote you. Let's look in church history. There was a revival in 1906 called the Azusa Street Revival. And it was out of that revival that so many modern-day denominations were birthed. For example, the Church of God in Christ, the Assembly of God, the Church of God. Many, many Pentecostal and Charismatic congregations, over 500 million people in the earth today, trace their roots back to the Azusa Street Revival, where there were great miracles like haven't been seen since. Do you know that the, the pastor's wife at that time, they needed a worship leader, and she didn't play piano, so she just sat down at the piano and started playing and became the worship leader. God supernaturally gave her the ability to play. It was a mighty revival. People came from the ends of the earth. But let me tell you something about the people involved in that revival. It was led by a one-eyed African-American preacher named William Seymour who wasn't even allowed in Bible college because, because of his color. You know what he'd have to do? He went to the school and they'd make him sit out in the hallway because they didn't want him sitting in the classroom. He was thrown out of a bunch of churches because of his heart for revival, because he, he stood strong to see the power of God. And one day they had a prayer meeting at a house on a street called Bonnie Bray Street. And they started to pray, and the Holy Spirit fell, and so many people came that the whole porch collapsed. And this was in the ghettos of Los Angeles in 1906 where there was no social justice. So they went down the block to Azusa Street and they bought an old warehouse. Let me tell you about the warehouse. It was, it, it was a small rectangular flat-footed building, approximately 60 feet long and 40 feet wide. With, with whitewashed clapboards. Discarded lumber and plaster littered the large barn-like room on the ground floor. Church services were held on the first floor where the benches were placed in a rectangular pattern. Some of the benches were simply planks put on top of empty nail kegs 
So don't complain about these things. There was no elevated platform like we have here. The ceiling was only eight feet high and there was no pulpit. The pastor sat behind two empty shoe boxes and he kept his head inside of the box and prayed. How many of you would stay in that church? But this was in California where there's many great preachers that have come through the years. There's many great, beautiful cathedrals. I've been to California, and one time I went and visited different churches. Tremendous architecture. But you know what God did? He crossed his arms. He bypassed all those fancy, learned preachers. All those people who had been poised on position for a move of God, and he chose this one-eyed African-American preacher who had been kicked around from state to state, abused. He was turned out of churches, but yet God crossed his arms, and he chose this man, William Seymour. And you know what happened? The critics came. Let, let me read what the critics said. Meetings are held in a tumble-down shack on a Zusa street, and the devotees of the weird doctrine practice fanatical rites, colored people and a sprinkle of whites compose the congregation, and night is made hideous in the neighborhood. They... The critics came and said, God wouldn't use a place like that. Just like Joseph, you know what he did? When, when Jacob put his, crossed his arms and put his hand on, on Ephraim, Jacob pulled his arm off and said, no, not him. You can't tell God who he's going to choose. God might just bypass all the fancy preachers. He might bypass the great cathedrals, the great old-time denominations, and choose this a, a warehouse full of junk where people sat on, on boards, but yet the glory of God came. And people traveled to, the, to that warehouse from all over the world, and God sent them out. You see, I go to a lot of, I travel a lot. And when I, I go to the, some big cities, and they tell me, oh, we're all in place for the move of God. God is going to choose our city. Because we, we've got all this together. We, we've got all the people. They've all been to Bible college. And we've been praying, and we, we have these big churches. We're ready to house a move of God. And they say, where are you from? I say, the Bronx. If you want to get mocked and laughed at and scorned anywhere in the world, just tell people that your church is in the Bronx. Oh, the Bronx? You better get out of there. God is about to bring judgment to the Bronx. Oh, they're a bunch of nobodies. 
You, you can't, you shouldn't be ministering over there. They actually tell me, you better move here with us because we're positioned before God. God is going to choose us. But you know what? I believe God is about to cross his arm. He's going to bypass all of that. I'm not moving from the Bronx because I believe that God is going to take a borough that's been rocked and rejected and battered through poverty and difficulty and racism. And God is about to move in this borough. God is about to raise up the Bronx. See, I believe every one of you, your position rightly. I don't care all the predictions and the prophecies that God's about to destroy New York. I'm believing that the best days are ahead for this city. God is crossing his arms. You see, look at this church. I'm not going to say this in any bragging way or boastful because everything is God. But there's many churches in this city with faithful servants who have been serving God for 30 years. And I'm not putting a one of them down. I'm talking about people have gone through hard times. They've been to the Bible colleges. You go to their church, it's always Dr. Reverend so-and-so. They've been equipped. They're ready. But yet, God has chosen this place, a bunch of nobodies. None of us have ever been to Bible college. We've all taken classes and, and been prepared. But God has taken a bunch of nobodies, and God has switched his arms over this church. And again, I'm not saying that in any way to put down all the wonderful, faithful churches in this city. But I I just had to say that. I just see a move of God. There are people who have been ministered for 30, 40 years who would love to see the people coming, love to see all the healings, the miracles that, that we see here every week. I just felt to mention Pastor Mark over here. Him, like me, he hasn't been to Bible college. But God has crossed his arms. God could have taken a lot of people who have been years in ministry, elegant, well-spoken people. But I don't know a finer pastor in this city than Pastor Mark. With more compassion with more of a heart for you. I just see his heart beat for the people. God has crossed his arms and chosen you, Pastor Mark. You see, there was another story in the Bible of King David and Samuel the prophet. He was looking for a king to take the place of King Saul. And he, he knew he had to go to the King David's family. And one after another, King David's father paraded out all of his sons, all these big guys, all these guys who, who they were handsome, they were skilled, they were adept. And he said, surely it's one of these. 
And Samuel was about to choose one of them because he was impressed by the way they looked. Don't be impressed by the way people look. Don't let people fool you by, by having fancy clothes or they can memorize a lot of scripture. Because you know what God told Samuel? He said, stop looking at mere appearances. Stop judging people on the outside. He says, man judges by the outside, but God looks on the heart. You see, God sees the heart of passion you have for him. Even if you're not there yet, even in your immaturity, that you bring pleasure to the heart of God because he sees what other people don't see in you. What does this mean for us today? I believe that there's a new season coming for the church, and I don't mean just for this church. God is about to switch his arms in every one of your lives. God is about to raise you up. That's why we all, like I said, we have to be rightly positioned in our lives. we got to get rid of all rebellion against God. we got to get our lives right. This is a prophetic call to the people of God because he's about to do something. And I don't want him to pass any one of you by. We need to rid our lives of every secret and private sin. Everything that's not pleasing to God. Because God's about to, to lift you up. Even, even out of garbage heaps, some of us. Out of places of lowly despair. There are people, even in your jobs, this is a prophetic word for some of you. And they've been positioned to take the position that God has for you. God is going to bring them down and he's going to cross his arms. Nobody can steal the position that God has for you. It doesn't matter it, it, it doesn't matter what race, culture, if you don't have the fancy clothes you need to impress people. God is switching his arms in these last days and he's looking for a company of nobodies. He's going to bypass many of those who are still Pharisees, many of those who still walk in hypocrisy and spiritual pride, and he's going to raise up the lowly like he did back then, the plain old fishermen, the prostitutes, those who are willing to get your life clean before God. It doesn't matter where you've come from. Maybe your family has been despised. I remember my mother, she was despised. Nobody else in my family would invite anyone in my family to weddings or other events because my mother carried so much shame because of the way that she acted and different addictions. That has not disqualified me. Your family, your past will not disqualify you because God is switching his arms and he's going to choose you. He's raising you up. God has saved you for a time such as this throughout the whole Bible. God has waited on the refuge of the earth. 
Those who have constantly, some of you, you've been overlooked over and over. You've been passed over for a promotion. But we've been, we've been talking about the, the favor of God. You know what the favor of God means? It means excessive kindness or unfair partiality, preferential treatment. Who says that the favor of God is fair? God is going to choose you. He's waiting. He's waiting to see your heart, to see your faith. There's some of you God is calling to great ministries, and you're thinking, well, I can't do it like that person. I, I don't, I'm not talented like that one. And so many of you, you haven't come into the ministry that God has for you because you see yourself as nothing, that you're not as spiritual. God is waiting. I want to give a story. A few years ago, I was speaking at a conference, and the person they had speaking just before me, by the time she was finished, everyone was on their feet screaming. Half the place was on the floor. They were all crying. And then they told me, okay, now it's your turn. And I told God, forget it. This is a waste of time. She already did everything. I, 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 can't, I can't compete with her. And you know what God told me? He said, I put a message in you that I haven't put in anyone else. And only you can deliver it in the way that I've created you to do it. And if you don't get up and give that message, it's going to be left unspoken. And that's true for every single one of you. You don't have to be like anybody else. God has created you uniquely. And he's put a ministry, he's put a message in you that only you can deliver. That only you can speak. That only you can show the world. And God is waiting for you. God is waiting for every one of you. Every one of you has got a purpose in the kingdom of God. Every one of you has got a ministry. And like I said before, there's nothing of this world that will disqualify you from it. No lack of talent. No shyness. Not your past, not, not your experience in your old church, not an angry pastor somewhere. Nothing can hold you back except you yourself. If you refuse to believe, if you refuse to say yes to the will of God. God is crossing his arms in the last days. He's about to bypass a lot of people. How many of you are saying, God, I'm willing and I'm ready? How many of you are ready to be raised up by God in these end times? God is looking for a people of holiness. He's looking for a, a people that he can trust, who won't steal his glory. That when people come to you and say, wow, look at the great things you've done, you won't respond in pride, but you'll say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I just see tremendous destiny today on every one of you. 
But the enemy has lied to you. He's told you you don't have what it takes. God can't use you. Look at your background. Look who you were. Look at all the broken relationships. Look at all the failures in your life. Did you ever read the Bible and see those people? Do you know that David was a murderer and an adulterer? That Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he put, he put Christians in prison and helped them to kill a mighty man of God? What's the difference? Each one of them had an encounter with the living God. And they turned their lives fully over to Him. And they gave up their old ways. And they said, God, whatever it takes, use me, God. God wants to use every one of you sitting here. I don't care how old or how young you are. My daughter was, was seven, eight years old. She was out in the street ple- preaching the gospel. So I'm just going to ask you to stand right now. And I'm going to ask for those in the prophetic team, if you could come up. You know who you are. Please come quickly. And if if you could just get in groups of twos, because this is what I want to do today. Usually we have the prophetic ministry in the back on the second Sunday of the month. But we have a group of people here, and they're going to begin to speak, prophesy over you right now that God is about to raise you up. They're going to make decrees and declarations over your destiny. That person at work, he's not going to steal the position that God has for you. I don't care if it's the boss's son or nephew. If God's given you that position, he can't have it. I don't care who tries to take what God has ordained for you. God is going to make a way where there's no way. I just want to pray over you right now. And then this is what I want to do. If the archers could help. For those of you who want, we're not gonna we're not gonna spend a lot of time praying for anyone today. We just want to release the voice and the heart of God over your life. We want to give you a word of destiny today. Especially those of you, maybe you feel stuck where you are. We want to release a prophetic word that's gonna bring you up out of that pit. Or maybe that's not you. Maybe you're all ready to go. We want to release a word that's going to spring you to the next level. So I just want to pray over you first. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. I thank you, God, for 
that we are a company of nobodies. God, we've been beat up. We've been scorned, abused. People have mocked us. They've laughed at us. But I thank you that in these last days, that one last time, you are crossing your arms. And I just decree over you the favor of God. And that's a favor that it's not fair. And people are going to see that you're being promoted and they're going to say, who do you think you are? Just like Joseph, they're going to pull the boss's hand away and say, no, not him, me. God, I thank you that you choose who you will choose. And I just, I just thank you that in this place, that you're, gonna, that you're choosing to show your glory upon these people, Lord God. So I just bless you right now in Jesus' name. And I decree that you are coming up out of places of poverty, out of brokenness, out of hurt, out of woundedness, into the place of blessing and inheritance and prosperity. So we're just going to invite you right now, everyone who wants a prophetic word, just to begin to come forward. If the ushers can come and help. Again, we're not going to keep you long like we usually do in the prophetic rooms. We have more time. But we're not going to do that today. We're going to move quickly. And I believe God is about to do something in life.